Good morning, church. It is so good to be with you in pursuit of and in the presence of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. And for those of you that I've yet to meet, my name's Andy. I serve alongside Pastor Ann here at the Way Woodstock. And I just want to give a shout out to any of you that may be here for the first time or returning here. We want to say thank you for joining with us, whether online or here in person. And I want you to know that you're always welcome here at the Way Woodstock, where we as a community of faith are committed to what? Sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Now, as we step into this new year, this year of 2023, I want you to take a look at an image on the screen with me. And I want to ask you this question. When you come face to face with a 500-pound man-eater, what do you do? What do you do? Do you run? you hide? Or, or, or Jack answered, he said he just wants to make sure he can outrun the next guy. Maybe that's what some of us want to do, right? You know, our temptation when faced with a lion is to run. But the truth of the matter is that same temptation is there when we face our fears. Or we see a dream that seems inconceivable, impossible to go after. And I imagine that there are a number of us today that are facing fears that are holding us back. And I imagine there are a number of us also that have dreams that God has planted on your heart, but you see it as something that there's no way that you could live into and attain the dream that God has placed on your heart. And if that's you, like me, I ask this question, what if we were not meant to run? What if we were not meant to run from it? What if we were meant for more? What if we meant to chase after our dreams? What if we were meant to face those fears? What if God desires more for us? One of my good friends and buddies, Vince and Ashley Thomas, they they planted a church at Martin Luther King Middle School, and they're now opening up a campus in Briarcliff. And he had this to write recently, and I think it is poignant to share as we open today. You have too much grace and too much divine ability to live a mediocre life. Think about that. You have too much grace. You have too much divine ability to live a mediocre life. I have to say I agree with that statement because I believe we're made for more. You you see, I believe that's what we're called to. We as a church, we just proclaimed today that we're committed to what? Sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Well, as we continue into 2023, I want to focus in on that living with purpose. What does it mean to live with purpose? What does it mean to discover God's given purpose for your life? Because I believe that when we begin to discover that, we begin to live into that. We begin to discover that we were created for more, that God empowers and enables us to do far more. So over the next several weeks, we're going to dig up some talents. We're going to look at spiritual giftings. We're going to look at what does it mean to discern the voice of God. We're going to be looking at this, but today we're going to start right where that picture was chasing the lion, facing our fears, chasing our dreams. So to spur one another along this morning, I want you to turn to one another and say, chase the lion. Come on now, y'all can be bolder than that. I mean, if you're going to be crazy enough to chase a lion, you got to yell it out, right? Now, having said that, I want to invite you to turn with me to someone who did just that. In 2 Samuel Chapter 23, we find a very obscure passage in many ways. 
But I want to read it for us. Beginning in verse 20, we find this. Benaiah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant fighter for Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehodah. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in greater honor than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Almighty God, I thank you once again for the privilege of a new day and the gift for us to gather here and to gather remotely for those that are streaming today. God, I pray that we would continue to meditate upon your word, that we would encounter the living word, your son, Jesus Christ, today, the Lion of Judah. God, I pray that in these moments, the meditation of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. I ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. Amen. So to put a little context to this, you've got to back up a little bit to the opening of chapter 23. And it opens this way. And if you want to read along, you look. It's just simply this. These are the last words of David. These are the last words of David. And, and it goes on, and David's recalling a God-sized dream that had been given to him as a young boy. Because if you remember the story of David, it was when he was a scrappy, scrawny shepherd that God set him apart and said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And if you begin to read through the rest of chapter three, 23, what he's reflecting on is all of those people, the, those 30 men, the, the famous three, and Benaiah that helped join in with him to see that dream become a reality. And so there's the three mighty warriors. There's some awesome epic stories in there. You ought to read about them and the 30 that are named. But here in the midst of this is Benaiah doing the unthinkable. Rather than run away like any normal, dare I say, sane person, what is it that we see Benaiah doing when faced with a 500-pound man-eater that can run at 35 miles per hour, that has claws that can rip you to shred? He leaps into a pit with them. I mean, he's got to be out of his mind. Can I get an amen? Who does that kind of thing? Obviously, something is different for Benaiah. Rather than run, he chases after the roar. You see, Scripture tells us little else about Benaiah, and we don't know quite why he ended up crossing paths, why he went after this lion in this moment, but we know that his gut reaction was a gutsy one. Can we get an amen to that? It was a gutsy one, one that would have him face this 500-pound man-eater in a pit during the, you know, a snowstorm. I mean, in the midst of the snow. Who, who does this? I don't know about you, but if I found myself in a pit with a lion, I think I'd have a problem. And it might be the last problem I ever had. How about you? 
Only for Benaiah, he chooses to chase after rather than run. His actions that day would catch the eye of David. Maybe David caught the eye of, of another man that was like a lion chaser, just like David was. If you remember, he slayed the lion, he slayed the bear before he went and slayed Goliath. Whatever it is, David took notice and he would bring him in and he would become his armor bearer, as we read in this text. But if you fast forward past this, what you see is Benaiah actually then goes on to live into a mighty role. He ends up being the commander-in-chief of the entire army of Israel under David's son, Solomon. That epic role of being the commander-in-chief can be traced back to a pivotal moment there on a snowy day where he had a choice, fight or flight, chase after or run away from, which leads me to ask us this morning, to ask you this morning, are you going to take a flight or are you going to fight for your dream? Are you going to run away from what you're afraid of or run toward the roar? Are you going to let fear dictate your decisions or are you going to live by faith and chase the lion? You see, I, I believe that God not only breathes life into us, God speaks dreams into us. So what's your dream? What's your dream? What's the biggest, baddest, scariest, craziest dream that you could go after? Because I got news for you. God-sized dreams should scare you. They should scare us. Why? Because God-sized dreams are always beyond our ability, always beyond our logic, always beyond our own resources. Why? So that when God does it, we can't take the credit. Amen? Amen to that. A God-sized dream is meant to bring glory to God. So I ask you again, what's the biggest, scariest, craziest dream you could go after? And I got news for you. When you get a picture of what that is, it's going to take you longer than you expected. And it's going to be harder than you ever imagined. But if that dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. If that dream doesn't scare you, it's too small. I love what Mark Batterson has to say. He wrote a book, I read it this past fall, called Chase the Lion. And I've been marinating in this all this time. And he unpacked a little bit of this passage that's just intrigued me ever since. But he had this to say. He says, if you're big enough for your dream... Your dream's not big enough for God. If you're big enough for your dream, your dream's not big enough for God. Well, in light of that, I ask again, what's that dream? And I imagine some of you are like, Andy, I don't know what that dream is. I don't know how to go after that dream. I don't know, I don't even know how to start to go after that dream. How do I discover what that dream is? Well, that's what we're going to spend the next several weeks doing unpacking gifts and talents and things of that nature. But for today, I want to speak to a couple ways in which you can begin to discover that dream. If you, if you don't know what that dream is for this season, and some of y'all may be like, man, I am past that season of dreaming. I got news for you. Abraham and Sarah, they're older than dirt when they had Isaac. You're never out of season for God to put a God-sized dream in your heart. Remember that. There's a dream for you in the season, whatever season of life that is for you. And God wants to reveal it. God wants to share it. God wants to empower you to do it. So how do you go about that? Well, let me give you a couple things that you can do practically over the next couple of weeks that might help you discover what that dream is. And the first is this. 
Take inventory of your story. Just simply take inventory of your story. Look back over your life. What is it that Paul writes in Romans that God works for the good of all those who love him? In other words, all the good and the bad, everything of our past, it doesn't have to define our future, but it can inform our future. And and I love doing this. Uh, Leslie brought me a book, Imitation to a Journey, and, and it's a spiritual formation book. And in that, there's an exercise of looking over the span of your life. And I, I had that class in seminary, and I've led small groups with that, but I'm taken back to this idea of taking inventory of your story a little further back to when I was being called to be a pastor, and part of the candidacy process was to go under a psychological evaluation. Now, I know, I mean, y'all are probably sitting there saying, well, you are certifiable, and maybe you have to be certifiable to be a pastor. I don't know. Ann might agree with that. She might not. Maybe she's leaving me up here to, to hang out on my own. But during that, one of, the, one of the really cool things was I had to take every year of my life and mark down a monumental moment. And I was 34 years when, old when I did that. So year one, I don't even remember anything. I wrote down I was born. Year two, my parents got a dog because I used to beat my head against the brick wall. Certifiable, right? My parents are here. They're like, yeah, you remember that, right? Year three, my middle brother was born. Year four, my youngest brother was born. And I went through and looked at my timeline and looked at those moments, the highs and the lows, the hurts and the joys, the stretch moments and those complacent moments in my life. And what I realized is that God was revealing his story in the midst of my own story. And he was weaving, preparing me for the God-sized dream he has for my life. And he's done the same for you. So inventory your story. Do that exercise. There's going to be a couple small groups, men's groups that are going to take a pilot through what's called Kazone in a couple weeks. And I'd love to get a couple of women's groups that are willing to pilot that too. And this would be one of those exercises. So women's, if you all want to talk about that, come see Ann or mine and I will help you get started on that. But take inventory of your story over the next couple weeks. I guarantee you it would be a great ride to look back at and look at how God showed up, even in the valleys of your life. And the second thing is this, and, and, and Mark highlights this in his book too, consider serving in someone else's dream. Join alongside a dreamer. If you don't believe you're a dreamer, join alongside someone who is. Because you see, there's sometimes there are seasons of life when we're called to come alongside someone else's dream. That's what we see in this text. You see, David, these last words of David, he's reflecting all the way back over his life. And he's looking at that God-sized dream that God had given him as a kid. And he then begins to list the names of those that came alongside him to allow him and enable him to step into that God-sized dream that he had for himself. And then Benaiah, in that process, discovered his own dream and became the commander of all the army. You see, sometimes we're called to selflessly serve alongside someone else and help their dream so that in that, God can reveal our own dream I can attest to that because I saw myself at 14 years old being a pastor. I know y'all think I'm crazy, but I did. I saw myself in the footsteps of our pastor, our youth pastor at the time, and he was crazy, kind of like Tammy Nall is. I mean, Tammy Nall, you fit the bill. I'm sorry, you do. Thank you. But serving underneath Sam Halverson and then later serving underneath David Goolsby in campus ministry and then coming out and serving underneath Jennifer Bowden and then Stephen Street at Dunwoody United Methodist for some 10 plus years as volunteer in youth ministry. 
I helped each of them step into and grab a hold of the dream that God had for them. And in the process, God kept saying, you were meant for this too. You were meant for this too. You were created for this. So consider serving someone else's dream. Take inventory of your story. My dream? (laughs) Well, as I mentioned, my dream was to serve in the capacity of a pastor. To help others come into a life-giving, life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. To see people set free of burdens and wounds and to live into the wholeness and the freedom that God has for them. And to, along the way, help people discover their God-given gifts and their God-ordained purpose. Some of y'all remember Marianne Butler. She was our ministries director at the church for a number of years on a volunteer basis. And I can stand here today, and one of my greatest joys is serving alongside her as the director of the Homeless Coalition of Cherokee County. The impact she had here is now being multiplied by dozens of churches and parachurch organizations that she's now impacting with the Homeless Coalition. You talk about stepping into a God-given dream for her life. And if you were to talk to her today, she is beaming. Because she is now stepping into the dream that God has for life. Now for me, that dream of stepping into a pastor, I knew it at 14 as I shared with you. But you know what I did? I ran. I spent 20 years. Many of y'all heard my story. I'm not going to unpack it all here. But I spent 20 years running from a God-sized dream that God had placed on my heart as a teenager. And I took the advice of every other pastor that I would consult with. And I consulted with a lot. And you know what they would say consistently? I mean, down to a T. If you could see yourself doing anything else, do it. And guess what I did? I took their advice. I did it for 20 years. I pushed down that dream. I pushed it aside. I let the fears override the dream that God had on my life until one day I could no longer ignore the dream for me. It required me to take a step of faith, make a change in career in my mid-30s. But I stand here today, stepping in, still into that dream that God's placed in my heart. And I share the passion. I share the passion that Anne revealed and shared last week when she preached in here. And if you've missed it, go back and listen to it. Man, what a message she shared with us. Thank you, Anne, for that. What's your God-sized dream? What's your God-sized dream? And I got news for you. God-sized dreams aren't just for individuals. They're also for families. And they're also for communities. We as a church have a God-sized dream. One of making room. It began with making room for one another some four years ago as two churches explored what it might be like to come together to be one and in becoming the way committing to and stepping into an even larger God-sized dream of making room for the other. It's why it's sharing and hope, living with purpose for who? For the sake of the others. And that meant renovating the campus and expanding the, the use of Georgia Dawson and the sanctuary and eventually expanding into Latimer Hall. It was a dream that y'all may not realize, but it started four years ago for me. Pastor Ann and I were reflecting on this the other day. It was fall of 2018 when we were introduced by two DSs 
say, hey, would y'all explore what it might be like to come together as one community for a greater impact in the Woodstock area? And she was walking me through. She was sharing me her vision for Georgia Dawson becoming an oasis and a counseling center here in the heart of Woodstock and what we want to do here. And we ended up in the lower part of Latimer Hall. That was a thrift store at the time. Some of y'all may remember that. And we began to pray. And it was like fireworks. God began to paint a tapestry of what it could be like to expand into that building in the heart of Woodstock. And that dream wasn't a dream that God imparted just on the two of us. It imparted it on our leaderships. It imparted it on two churches that said yes to coming together. And yes toward a vision of eventually moving into Latimer Hall. In the midst of a town where there's some 67%, over 27,000 people that don't know Jesus, there's a need to make more room. And Latimer Hall is uniquely positioned in the way it's designed and the plan that we have for it to do some unique ministry. It's uniquely positioned here in the heart of downtown to do a parents' night out. Who doesn't want to go out and party at all the restaurants and enjoy the music that's in downtown Woodstock? And we can disciple those kids. I dare say we will probably touch more kids on a Friday night with a parents' night out than we might even see on a Sunday morning. It's a facility that's uniquely positioned for us to offer Christian leadership summits. I want to do the GLS, if, you're not, if you've never heard of it, Global Leadership Summit. I want to be a host of that here and allow the business district that surrounds us to be engaged, to be discipled, to be empowered, to be the business owners and stewards of the resources of this city. It's uniquely positioned to host marriage seminars to help repair and strengthen and build marriages here in the heart of downtown. It is uniquely positioned for so many things. Expanding into Latimer Hall was also a way for us to speak to grandparents and parents and say, your kids matter, and there's a space for them too. And we want them here, and we want to grow and walk alongside them. It's a space that allows Georgia Dawson to become a hub for support groups, for small groups, and for trainings. It's a space that's equally as sacred as this space that we're in today, this holy sanctuary that goes back to the 1800s with a common goal of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to anyone and all. And yet Latimer Hall is uniquely positioned to be a space that's flexible enough to be flipped For whatever else God has in mind for us that he's yet to reveal for us. And I got news for you. It is a God-sized dream. And just like every other God-sized dream, guess what? It's taken longer than we expected. It's been harder than we imagined. I thought we were going to be in there in March of 2020. Here we are in 2023. But guess what? When that day comes, when God shows up and shows off and makes it possible... And he's already done it over the last few years. He's going to get all the credit. He's going to get the glory. And we're going to see more lives transformed. You see, we're being called to chase the lion. The lion of Judah. Jesus Christ and his calling that he's placed upon our lives. And much like Peter stepping out of the boat. Or much like Beniah leaping into that pit. Well, just like every other God-sized dream. We're called to take steps of faith and face our fears so whatever that personal dream of is yours and and the corporate dream that we share i want to speak for a few minutes on how faith can help face our fears 
there's a couple different angles in which Mark Batterson speaks to faith in his book, and I love them. And one of them is this. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. Faith is the willingness to look foolish. I mean, exhibit A, Benaiah jumping in a pit on a snowy day with a 500-pound man-eater. Does that not look foolish? Can I get an amen? I can tell you in my own personal life, stepping into seminary, that looked foolish when I got asked to step into the executive team at the corporation that I was working at, the nursery, and I had said, you know what, I'm honored, but I'm about to step into seminary eight months from now, and I don't know if I'm going to have a job. Look foolish. And then packing up, knowing that they were friends and that they were extended family, didn't understand. Some still don't. To them, it looks foolish. Fast forward to the end of seminary and, and with all the residency requirements and the full-time school, Chris and I are praying and realizing that it meant stepping away from full-time work or stepping away from work and, and going on the state health care plan with our kids. What parent does that when they have a perfectly good job and benefits? It can look foolish. But it's a step of faith when it's a God-sized dream and he's calling you to and he will make it possible. What about us as a church? (laughs) I can remember talking to people about this idea of merging, and I had pastors saying, you're foolish. We're merging two communities together. There are people that looked from the outside at City on Hill and Woodstock United Methodist and said, y'all are foolish. And then coming together, and during COVID, in the midst of a pandemic, we took a bold step of faith. We started a capital campaign called Making Room. To some on the outside, that looks foolish in the midst of a pandemic. And dare I say, even in the disarray of a denomination that we just stepped out of, some people on the outside looked at that and said, you're foolish. Why did we take those steps? We took steps of faith. It might have looked foolish to others. But they are ones that God ordained and God called us to. And I want to say thanks be to God to each and every one of you that took each of those steps or joined us along the way for that. Because you see, faith is a willingness to look foolish. What's your dream? It might look foolish when you start taking steps toward it. And if that's where you find yourself stuck, just remember this. Noah looked foolish when he built an ark on dry land. Sarah looked pretty foolish when she was sewing maternity clothes together in her 90s. David looked foolish when he took just a few stones to face a giant. Benaiah obviously looked foolish jumping in a pit with a lion. Wise men looked foolish following a star. They didn't know where they were going. Peter looked a little foolish when he took a step out of a perfectly good boat, y'all, to step into water. And even Jesus, dare I say, looked foolish, stripped of his clothing, nailed to a cross, left to die in the midst of a crowd that was jeering, jeering him on. But the results show for themselves, right? Noah was delivered from a flood. Can you get an amen? Sarah gave birth to Isaac. I mean, she was in the geriatric ward and he was in the nursery ward of the hospital. I don't know. Maybe that was what's going on. I don't know. David defeated Goliath. Benaiah killed a lion. The wise men found the Messiah. Peter walked on water and Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Can I get an amen? That's our why. Faith sometimes looks foolish to the world. But it is not foolish to God. 
What step of faith do you need to take toward that dream today? Chapter 11 of Hebrews reminds us of a whole litany of people that it says, by faith they did this. And you go read some of the stories. Men and women alike. It's an amazing list of people that by faith did what might have been foolish in the eyes of the world. So I ask you this. How many of us are allowing the fear of looking foolish to prevent us from a 500-pound dream that God wants you to chase? How many of us are allowing the fear of looking foolish to prevent us from a 500-pound dream God wants you to chase? Because think about it. I don't know about you, but I've had a case of the I can'ts before. You ever had the I can'ts? I can'ts, I can'ts. I don't know, depending on where you are, southern, northern, I don't know. I mean, how many of us have ever thought, how many of you have ever thought, I can't change majors, I can't change jobs, I can't retire now, I can't start a new business, I can't seek out counseling, I might look foolish, I can't make that move, I might look foolish, I can't share my faith, especially in a public school, I might look foolish, I can't pray for a miracle, because I might look foolish, I can't. Fill in the blank because I might look foolish. If that's you today, I want to challenge you to take a chance on looking foolish. Take that step of faith that God's calling you to in facing your fears and chasing the dream that he's placed on your heart. And I guarantee you, God will be with you along the way. And God will show up and God will show off if you will trust in him. Faith sometimes looks foolish, doesn't it? Here's another thing about faith. Faith is unlearning our fears. You see, you can run from what you're afraid of, but you'll be running for the rest of your life. Can I get an amen? Some of us know what that's like. I did it for 20 years before I got tired of it. At some point, you can't let your fears dictate your decisions. I love what Mark points out, Mark Batterson, in this. He said, you know, there are a thousand phobias and a thousand fears out there, and some of us have those. They're real fears. They're real phobias. We're not dismissing the reality of fears and phobias. But he said that psychologists, though, have rooted, narrowed it down that there's only two that we're born with, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. And what that tells us is that all the other fears that are on us that we have taken into ourselves are learned fears, either from hurts or wounds or other things that have happened, experiences in our life. And if they're learned fears, then they also can be unlearned. You see, faith is unlearning of our fears. I love what John 4.18, 1 John 4.18 says, that perfect love casts out all fear. You see, as we grow in our understanding and embrace God's love for us, we begin to be set free. Love's not just some mushy, sentimental feeling, is it? Love is fearlessness. Fearless in the way we love one another. Fearless in how we love the other. You see, because you know that God loves you, it frees you from all other fears. I can attest to that. I can attest to that in, in, in seminary, because the fear that I had going into seminary, that the 20 years was not trusting God, the fear of financial insecurity. And, and the sense of call as a husband and as a father, I felt like it was my responsibility to provide. And God had to knock me off that pedestal and say, it's not your responsibility, it's mine. 
I am your provider. And time and time again, every step of faith I took in that story, my wife took with me and of two kids to totes. Claire's here today. God showed up. God showed off. And it didn't look the way I planned. It didn't look the way I engineered it. I could not have put it in a spreadsheet. Any of y'all that are OCD, we might put it in a spreadsheet. It ain't going to work that way. God doesn't work that way. But I can tell you this. When I began to embrace the fullness of what it means that God loves me no matter what. That his grace is sufficient. (laughs) I began to be free to live boldly more into the dream that God had for my life. And to know that I was made for more. And so are you. That's what chasing the lion can do for you. And so in closing, I want to ask you this. And maybe just write this down. What fear do you need to face? What dream is God calling you to chase? What sacrifice do you need to make? What risk do you need to take? You see, I don't know exactly what your dream is, what God's put on your heart, and I don't know what fears necessarily that you're facing, but I do know this. There will become a pivotal moment just like Benaiah. Where we choose to flight or fight, where we choose to run or chase after the roar, where we choose to take that step of faith no matter what it might look like in terms of the eyes of the world, and we begin to decide that we're going to follow after the lion, we're going to chase the roar, face our fears, chase our dreams, and go after the dream that God's put on your heart. So I say to you in closing, chase the lion. Chase the lion in 2023. Would you turn to one another? Let's say it together. Let's chase the lion. Amen? Amen. I'm gonna, let me pray for us. And I'm going to invite the praise team to come up and, and lead us in song as I do that. And as they play this next song, I'm going to pray for us now, but as they play this next song, I'm going to allow this altar to be open. If you want to pray, if you want God to speak to you, and you just need to come lay it on the altar, lay a fear, or ask for boldness for a dream that God's put on your heart, I want you to know that this space is open for you. It's free for you to do that, or you can do it from where you're seated. But let's pray as we continue in worship. Almighty God, I thank you that every dot... And every line and every letter of Scripture is not only God-breathed then, but is God-breathed now. Every bit of it is relevant today as it was when it was first written. And every bit of it is your truth and your grace for our life. And God, I thank you for this obscure, crazy story of a, of a guy that would go jump in a pit on a snowy day after a lion. Now, God, I pray that today was a day that might just jostle loose in each of us and all of us. The reality that there's a, there's a dream, there's a God-sized dream that you want to, 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 to give to us. That you want to empower us to go after. That you want us to chase after. And God, that, that through what your son did on the cross and defeating sin and death, that in faith in Christ Jesus and coming to him and drawing near to him, we too can face no matter what fear is in our life. And to know that you will, alongside us, help us conquer it. 
So God, I pray for each and every one here. I pray for each and every household here. I pray for the community at large, Lord, that we indeed would face our fears. We would chase our dreams. That we would uncover and discover our God-given gifts and our God-ordained purpose. And that we would embrace the life of more that you have for us, that you desire for us, and that you empower for us to live. And it all comes down to a common denominator, and that is so that we might see others come to embrace the eternal life found in Christ and Christ alone. He is our cornerstone that we can count on when the world seems out of control, when there seems foolishness in every step that we might take, that we can stand firmly on Christ and allow Him to lead us. God, embolden us in 2023 to be the men, to be the women, to be the families, to be the church that you've called and equipped us to be. Let us chase the lion. Amen. Amen.